the first clip we saw where we saw behind them the dirt and I was like, wow, that is some really nice dirt. Who is head supervisor of dirt? I want to meet you. I appreciate you and I appreciate your dirt. Everybody, welcome to Dragon Academy Dropouts, your weekly dive into the DreamWorks Dragons universe. We are here to talk about TIFF. We had the awesome experience of getting to go. Uh, Max, Brooke, and I are here, and we're in Canada all together. All Thanks in for... the same room. Yeah. It's it's super weird. It's like a foreign country. <laughs> yep. It's okay if you haven't been to Canada. Just imagine everything is different from the U.S. Assuming you're from the U.S. If you're from Canada. Pretty similar. So this weekend wasn't just exciting because we got to go to Toronto and see the presentation on how to train your dragon in the hidden world. We also got to meet Brooke for the first time in person. So this is our first like live podcast all together. And we miss Caitlin terribly, but she isn't able to fly from California for this event on such short notice. Caitlin, we miss you. I'm waving in case you can't see through audio. Let's all, uh, uh, in honor of Caitlin, who is not here, let's all give one big together new, new, new. Ready? Are we actually doing this? Yeah. Three, <laughs> two, one. New, 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 new. All right. Now that we feel um, significantly more stupid, let's let's talk about the big day because I don't know about you guys, but I had the most incredible time, like start to finish, just awesome. It was awesome. Dean was there. And Jay was there. As was Brad Lewis, who is a producer in How to Train Your Dragon 3. And uh, who is the name of the person from TIFF? Uh, Cameron Bailey was yeah. the kind of moderator of the panel. He's the artistic director. And then there were the people people who were like security guards yeah. who were there too. They didn't <laughs> say much though. They just looked really serious. Before we move on, I just want to say just how great everybody who worked at this function was the staff and the volunteers. They were all so helpful and willing to answer our questions and just so accommodating to all the fans that were there. Uh, we got there really early and we were in line for hours. And, you know, the poor girl that had to stand there and listen to us talk about dragons, you know, sorry about that. But they and just made it such an easy and like pleasant, pleasant experience. And everyone else, too. Totally crazy. The whole line. Totally crazy. <laughs> Like, you think we're weird. We weren't the weirdest people there. Yeah. It was really funny because when we got there, there was two people ahead of us. So we were like third in line. And we got talking to them and um, people just kept coming over to us and sitting with us and just talking about dragons. And next thing you know, we have like a group of like eight people with us that we've never met before. Just all hanging out going crazy over (laughs) how to train your dragon. And it was just weird because like some of the weird things about it was that we'd have like common Tumblr friends or like they'd know somebody that we knew from somewhere online. And it was just, it was really weird, but we ended up meeting a lot of really cool people. So yeah, I've never been to an event like this where like, it doesn't matter like who you arrived with and what you're doing there. Everybody yeah. was just so yeah. willing to just chat and like shake hands and tell stories and have fun. Like fans of all ages. 
we had this young fan kind of near our section. He was like 13 and he knew way more about dragons than Max did. Hey, hey. <laughs> Just because he went to the live spectacular. <laughs> no, but it was cool to see, um, you know, kids there too. There weren't too many like younger fans. I'd say there were maybe like six or seven people, 13 and younger. But, you know, the ones that like, you know, were being social and talking to us, they were so sweet and, you know. Yeah, this kid was great. He knew literally everything about everything yeah. about dragons. He knew more than me. He didn't know about <laughs> DreamWorks Dragons Rescue Riders, though. Did he? Nobody Did does. he? It's, it's acceptable to not know those things. It's unacceptable. <laughs> unacceptable. One more thing before we start talking about kind of the event and the scenes that we saw. Some of the merch that people had in the queue when we were waiting was so cool. But but they didn't even have merch. A lot of it was made by yeah. them, right? We need to talk about this. I think we need to talk about the 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 things, all the things that people made. Yeah. We never we didn't I, I wanna I wish should have made something. I can't make anything, but I should have made something. It's okay. Um one of the fans that we met there, uh, she was really nice. She had this big stuffed toothless and she actually had a battery pack in it that played audio of the new 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 sound that we use on our show which was so funny it was awesome like she handmade it and literally put all her dragon stuff in it to bring there and that was one of the big reasons why people kept coming over to our group because people would come in line and they'd be like oh my god that's awesome and then they'd sit with us and just talk about dragons and so, or like somebody else would come up with something else they made and mm-hmm. we'd be like, oh, that's awesome. And then they'd sit with us and we'd talk I about it. I think though, it's hard to do this dragon justice just by talking about it. She brought it and I was like, oh, this is just a stuffed dragon. But then, like that was all she brought. And I was like, all right, you know, you're traveling across Canada. How, how is this happening? And she's like, oh, let me show you this. And she opens the dragon, unzips it. And inside is this massive backpack. And she just keeps pulling things out. <laughs> Like she kept pulling out the books and the and the and the dragon vine and the DVDs and it's like you how it's like this magic dragon with everything inside it. That was also a puppet that she could move its head around, and it also specifically played our new new new. It yeah. was, yeah, the sound that we use, which was so funny. Um, there was another fan who had these hand, would you say hand stitched, hand embroidered, yeah. like <clears throat> pins of different like scenes of Toothless and the Light Fury and their eyes. And um, I think she even gave them to Yeah, the she presenters. did because she gave, and she gave one to um, Brad Lewis. I saw her give one too. And then I saw on Jay's girlfriend's Instagram that she got one. Aww. So I was like, oh, that's so cool because we met her in line and she was still embroidering things in line, which was awesome. She had a full purse that was one of the art shots of Toothless and the Light Fury. It was so cool. There were so many incredible fans there. Everyone was so nice. Um, and we know you guys are probably listening to get to the gritty details of kind of what we saw and what the panel experience was. Gritty. Um, gritty. It was so gritty. <laughs> Everything about this was just grit. It was It was a pretty high impact day. High impact. There was, there was a lot of traveling, mm-hmm. a, lot a lot of waiting, waiting. but... And so much dragon. It so was worth dragon. it. It, it was, was worth it. totally worth driving from the United States to be here. Not just to be with them, but also to be with Brooke. Yay. Already. 
So should we kind of run through the progression of the presentation? How? Oh, wait. So before we go into like the kind of spoilery things, if people are listening and you're going to turn it off now because you don't want to hear spoilers, just like a long story short was that what we saw looked really amazing and it is just going to be awesome. And any kind of reservations that people had about the night like the light fury or the plot or anything because I know I've had my reservations and after seeing this I'm like wow this is actually gonna be really really well done so if you're gonna kind of turn it off just know that that's yeah that's what I'm feeling now very well said the animation was probably the best that I've ever seen and at one point Dean said like you might have noticed some of this is not finished and everybody in the eyes were just like what which parts yeah (laughs) I think there was when there was a clip of the introduction to the hidden world and I would have never noticed. I might have to go yeah. back and watch like two or three more times to notice that there was something that wasn't finished because yeah. it just looked incredible. The people I mean, who are working on this film are the best in the world at what they do. It is one fantastic. Of the, well, I, I, I noticed in one of the clips we saw, um, one of the dragons was like, how do I, like a little bit invisible kind of. And so I, maybe that wasn't that wasn't intentional. Maybe that was unfinished. But how do we know? Because you know we did see yeah. a quote unquote invisible. Yeah, dragon. that's the one. That's the one I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Start off the presentation. Um, they brought Dean and Brad out, and they just kind of introduced what they were going to talk about. They showed a recap clip of the franchise, which we were all kind of. You know, sitting politely through because we've watched this like 40 million times. <laughs> it was but. still really nice to see, though, with with Dean there and everybody else. Cause Did it was... you know? Did you know there's a How to Train Your Dragon 1? If you didn't know this and you're <laughs> listening to this right now, go out, get How to Train Your Dragon 1 and watch it. You can download it on iTunes right now. And then, and then there's a How to Train Your Dragon 2. <gasps> what? Yeah. Amazing. But it was a very heartwarming overview Mm -hmm. it was a very well produced montage of clips and then they showed the trailer of the hidden world to kind of give everybody a starting point which most of us had already seen but there were some younger kids in the audience and maybe they didn't really have that much exposure to it yet unlike us who have watched it like this was actually my first time seeing it on the big screen like a big screen cinema screen though so it was really nice for me because I've only ever watched it on the mm-hmm. computer. So yeah. to see it full was like amazing because it looked even better than it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I only saw it once before on a big screen, but it was at a drive-in theater, so you didn't get the audio experience. Doesn't really count. Yeah. yeah, it's not the same. Yeah, I, I, I haven't really seen it on a big screen, but I do sit close to my laptop. <laughs> so I didn't really get the, the, the chest-shaking noo-noo-noos like I did here, but it was, it was the closest so far. So absolutely. It was excellent. And then the first scene we saw, which was an exclusive at TIFF, no one in the world had seen this one before, was Toddler Hiccup and Stoic. So we're gonna talk so about this cute. next. Oh my gosh, adorable. Like the entire theater just gasped mm. at how adorable it was. Was this cause okay, so Toddler Hiccup speaks. So was his voice, do you think that kid they cast? I, I saw someone who was jumping to conclusions and said, indeed it was, but I don't know what that person yeah. sounds like. So I don't think it's been confirmed yet that it is Adrian Kane, yeah. but 
you know. Whoever it was. We it know was there really, is a child really involved, and we know there is a child character. So we'll see if, if it's the same. But basically the scene is Stoic and Hiccup. Um, Stoic is standing on the cliff. Hiccup is sitting in Stoic's gigantic beefy arm. And Stoic is talking to him about how there's this hidden dragon world out there that no one has ever been able to get to. Hiccup is just in awe of all this stuff that Stoic is saying. And Stoic describing how it is his dream to close it off so that there will be no more fighting between humans and dragons anymore. Which kind of got us thinking that, you know, this is going to mm-hmm. kind of be a main a main point in this conclusion about how Hiccup has always done things his own way. And my prediction is that he's going to fulfill Stoic's dream in his own way. But yeah. instead of it being solely to protect the humans, probably going to be to protect the dragons. Yeah, I, I think he's definitely going to seal the dragons in the hidden world. Um, but he's going to do it with Hiccup Flare. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah, and like Sarah said, it's kind of like that mix between, you know, him who's all about dragons and protecting and whatever, and then Stoic who's just wanted to protect his people by stopping fighting. Hiccup's going to protect everybody by, you know, taking the target off of Burke by putting the dragon somewhere safe where only a couple people know. I mean, I think we're all assuming that Hiccup is going to end up sealing the hidden world and with all the dragons inside of it. But what if Hiccup is like, you know what? We don't really deserve... We we humans are terrible and the dragons, they deserve the world. Let's all get the humans (laughs) in the hidden world, seal them off. Just live there and give the dragons the But the the hidden world is like beautiful and it's very (laughs) Humans don't deserve Humans don't deserve a hidden world. Just like we barely deserve the nature that we have today. Yeah. Humans don't deserve the hidden world. It's like very specific to dragons. So if you put humans in there, they'd probably just die anyway. Yeah. But we're all we're gonna get to that point in a second because that is something that's discussed a little later. Um, okay. But the scene does transition from the shot of Stoic and Hiccup standing on the cliff to Hiccup in quote unquote present day of the film standing on the cliff overlooking. I don't want to say his kingdom, but I guess it kind of is his kingdom. Um, and Toothless is there with him. And Hiccup, like, rips off his prosthetic and uses it as fetch for Toothless. Yeah. Toothless loves it. was fantastic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, it gets just slimier and more and more disgusting. Yeah. It's great. Looks like a very tactile experience to be. Oh, it's really in. tactile. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that kind of stuck out to me now that I'm thinking back on the scene is that Hiccup has his map in front of him and he's folding it out and looking at it, and he kind of gestures to this empty spot off to the side, kind yeah. of to the left of the map, kind of like he's planning more explorations, possible foreshadowing anyone. But is he is he really looking for something in that part of the map, or is he looking for something in here, the heart? Good question. I think Hiccup's always looking for something. Well, I think what Dean said was he keeps remembering that story that Stoic told him about the hidden world. So he wants to find it so that he can put Burke's population and the dra- like everybody, everything in it. Because we'll kind of talk about this later because, um, because they have so many dragons there now, they have such a big target on them from outside forces like Grimmel and dragon hunters and things like that. And 
it's just getting too much. So Hiccup's trying to find a solution how to solve this. And his solution is let's just pack up and go to this hidden place where nobody can find us. He says all this after Astrid shows up. So they're having a back and forth. And she is like, you want to take this community that's been with us for seven generations that your father left to you with his death and just abandon it. And you can definitely see their differing viewpoints on things because Hiccup is really, he's more focused on doing things his way to reach safety than maybe what someone who's, you know, practical and dedicated. I don't want to say Hiccup is not dedicated to the village, but he has a different way of looking at it than his father did, which Astrid reminds him of in a very emotional way. Yeah. And then he just says, well, we could just get married and that would solve everything. (laughs) Hiccup's into that. I think. He's, he's into it. But he doesn't want to show it. He's Astrid's it cool. not, though. She's like, she even says, she's like, oh, I'm totally not ready for that. And he's like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, who, yeah that's who, crazy. Who would be? <laughs> who would be? Me neither. Um, but Dean said before the clip, like, Gobber is putting pressure on this and they're talking about it more and more. Um, yeah, Gobber, we, yeah, Gobber pretty much said, like, oh, you guys should just get married and that would solve everything. Didn't we predict this? We predicted that Gobber would be really interested in getting them married, didn't we? We did, but yeah. I think the clip they showed at Annecy specifically had him saying that quote. Mm-hmm. We just yeah. didn't see it at this one. This is, like, after that. But anyways, yeah, Astrid's, like, totally not into that idea yet. At least overtly. Yeah. Which, you know, we also got some really good Hickstrid stuff from this scene, it really throws back to itchy armpit with, you know, the comfortable touches and they like wrestle at one point. Kind of yeah, rough house, which is funny. It was adorable. I mean, Hick, it's more like Hiccup tries to wrestle with her and then she <laughs> takes it way too seriously and like takes him down instantly. Like you can't wrestle with Astrid. It's just not going to happen. You can wrestle with Astrid, but you just can't expect to win. No. I just, I loved how after she like twists his arm or whatever he's like oh you win you always win she's like yeah you know what you were getting into because <laughs> it's true yeah they're so cute and you know the beautiful relationship that they have is just going to continue in this film but can Maybe. we talk about non-beautiful relationships that are discussed um astrid makes a joke about when they're talking about getting married she's like well maybe snotlot and volka will beat us to the altar and hiccup is disgusted and the entire theater just lost Didn't it. she say something so like, oh, well, Snotlo's only got eyes for your mom. Yep. And he was like, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> She's it's like, oh, maybe there'll be another so wedding. Funny. We have to talk about Ugh. the best part of that scene, though. Yeah. Basically, there's this fetch going on, and Astrid, like, chucks his prosthetic off the cliff. I, I died. It was so funny. She just, like, straight up yeets the thing off the cliff. <laughs> and Toothless is all about it. And I guess it's a normal thing for these people. Like, everybody's just so... He just drops it down to her. It's, like, covered in slime. And she's just like, ugh, gross. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, part of this is is Toothless is learning how to glide, right, on its own. Um, So I guess that's why fetch is fun for him. But um, then, you know, Astrid throws it off the cliff. He goes, this is how the clip ends. Toothless just soars away. It's like, oh, great. Now we're stuck here. He's got that glide down. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say when ending the clip about the adorable Toothfly moments at the end. Oh, yeah. Stormfly's there. Yes. Um, Toothless is chewing on the prosthetic and acting like a little puppy who's loving it. And Stormfly's kind of behind him like, ooh, can I get a piece of that? He's like, nope. And it's adorable. So we didn't really see a ton of Burke. 
in the clips that we saw. We saw a lot more of the hidden world and yeah, um, kind of the natural environments as opposed to Burke. Which, I mean, from what we've heard, it's pretty much a natural environment at this point. It's a disaster. <laughs> Burke is ridiculous at this point. But if you guys are ready, I'd love to talk about... Courtship. The courtship stuff, because we learned so much about the Light Fury's personality here that I think Brooke said it already. Like, any reservations that I had about the inclusion of this dragon, even just, like, as a concept in this film, are completely gone. Like, yeah, the way that Dean describes her and her personality and what we saw on screen, like, love her. She can stay. Not that it's my decision, but, you know, she's fam now, so... I think the biggest thing for me with her was it gave the notion that like, oh, Toothless is going to meet this Light Fury and he's going to be like, oh my God, she's so beautiful. Sorry, Hiccup. Like, I'm going to go with her now and see you later. But it wasn't like that at all. It was like the opposite. She saw him and was like, oh, dang, look at this Night Fury. Need me some of that. And then... (laughs) was pretty much like pursuing him and Toothless is just like, I don't really know what's going on. So he looks to Hiccup and Hiccup's trying to tell him how to, you know, court with this dragon. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm trying. Yeah, the scene we saw, Nublis comes to Toothless and draws him away. Toothless isn't just running off on his own, you know, decision-making abilities to just abandon Hiccup. She shows up in this little tent city that they've got for... Whatever reason. I think this was also the same clip they showed at Annecy. I think so, yeah. Too. So if you were at the Annecy Festival, this is the clip we're talking about. And we got to see her, quote unquote, invisible scales, which was really amazing to see on the screen. Um, Dean gave us a little bit of information about how she turns invisible. She heats them up with a blast and um, they become mirror-like as she flies. So she can kind of blend into her environment. You know what would be cute? If Toothless blasts the Light Fury and makes her invisible, I kind of want to see that, like, working together. Do you think that it's just her flame? Like, it has to be her flame that does it, like, reacts with her scales? Mm. Or do you think that if, like, any other dragon... I don't know. ...came to her and just blasted her? Like, if there was a heat heat level that it had to be and... Yeah, because you know how, like, each dragon has, like, a specific type of flame... Maybe hers, like, reacts with her scales or something, right. and that's why it works like that. Yeah. But if there's any dragon that dragon can do physics. it. Dragon physics. If there's any dragon that can do it, it's toothless. Yeah, that's a cool idea. Mm-hmm. We saw the full courtship scene, just like people at Annecy did. And the thing that I didn't really kind of get from what other people were describing until I saw it myself was that Hiccup wasn't invited to this situation. Like, he follows toothless, and he's just kind of there and inserts himself into the situation giving advice and he always inserts himself he is always not needed (laughs) it was really funny to watch all the little things that they tried there were other little dance bits that we didn't see in the trailer like shooting up sand and climbing on the tree it was so cute they did the little owl sleep thing which was really cute well it's adorable Light Fury did, and then I want to. I want to see Toothless do it. I want to see them. Yeah. I want to see them bat together. That would be so cute. Yes. And then ultimately, Toothless wins her over by artistic ability. Mm-hmm. And Hiccup is like, "Oh, now you can draw." So cute. Yeah. And then, like, the one part that I kind of liked, but was also really sad, 
was when she flies off and Toothless tries to fly after her, but he can't because he's missing a tail fin. So he just crashes into the water and he just like slams his tail against the water and just looks so like frustrated, like that he, he can't knows fly. That it's because of his tail. Yeah, and you her. just see Hiccup like, oh, like I did that to him and now he can't. But also, like, hmm, I can fix this. You see him do that. Also, one thing that, like, okay, the drawing, right? The drawing that Toothless made of the Life Fairy. We're not talking about, like, some shaky little thing in the sand where it's like, oh, you know, he, he, you know, of course, it looks pretty Life Fairy-like, you know. Uh, he did a good job. He did a good job for a dragon. Like right? the drawing that he did in How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah. One. It wasn't like that, where it's like, oh, you know, maybe that looks a little like Hiccup. I don't know. No, no, no. This is like, it's the Life Fury. The lines yeah. are clean and, and crisp. Pretty Tooth- much he's better than I am at drawing. Toothless should open commissions because it was pretty decent. Yeah, I'd pay mm-hmm. him. <laughs> did we say how this movie takes place a year after the I don't second think we one? Did. Oh, well, that's what Dean said it does. So it's like a full year after How to Train Your Dragon 2. Just enough time to make Burke a disaster, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Disaster pretty much. Burke. But it means that, it, you know, all the all the graphic novels are pretty much lining up, like, right after each other, mm-hmm. um, filling that year. Because it's not much time. So, Dean gave us some information to kind of link this clip to the next one that we saw, which I believe was also an exclusive clip of the discovery of the hidden world. So, he talked to us about how, based on seeing this failed courtship hiccup, he makes another tail fin for toothless that he can glide with and he's able to go off with the light fury more and more hiccup jokes to him that he has to be back by 11 but he doesn't come back days go by hiccup is worried there's all this pressure from grimmel closing in and you know hiccup at this point he really doesn't feel like he can function without toothless by his side and even dean said he he said that hiccup as a leader with all this stuff going on doesn't no, he doesn't really know how to lead without Toothless. So that's why he's like, oh, I got to go find him. Because, like, what do I do? My dragon's not here. I don't know what I'm doing. So that was, like, a big kind of plot. But anyways. And if this movie's only taking place a year after Stoic's death, he's still new at the job. He's new at the job with Toothless's support. Being new at the job now without Toothless, that's got to be a pretty jarring and stressful situation. Mm-hmm. I hate starting a new job. It's so stressful. But imagine starting a new job without your dragon. I don't know if I could do it. I don't think I could either. Astrid, being the lovely general that she is, volunteers Stormfly Surfaces to track Toothless. And this is when they fly out and discover the hidden world. So in this scene, it starts with them flying in the ocean. They're like... Ugh miles and miles of ocean there's nothing out here and then you see the hidden world in the distance and i can't even describe to you the incredible animation that we see like mm-hmm. the water here is crazy i just loved it so much yeah it's like a what dean said was that it was like a volcano that's opening comes up in the ocean or something so all the water comes down on it like a 360 waterfall I think he said 360 Niagara Falls. Yeah, 360 Niagara Falls. Yeah, pandering to the Canada people there, <laughs> I'm sure. 
But, you know, what I've noticed is that every single film is like a, you know, hidden dragon universe or island or something like that. And it's like, it's always hick, it's always Toothless that reveals it, right? Who like spoils it for everyone, right? So it's like Hiccup and Toothless are perfect, right? They're both really bad at keeping secrets. <laughs> One thing that was really interesting is that Dean said he thought of this idea for the caldera in a dream. So he had this dream about this 360 Niagara Falls volcano situation, and he brought it to life Mm -hmm. in this film. And the animation is seriously the most stunning thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Who doesn't have super detailed dreams like that, right? Don't we all? That's why I'm not directing one of the greatest animated films of all time, I guess. So I thought this was going to be the most incredible thing I've ever seen, but then they find it the hidden world. Mm-hmm. And it continues to be the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and it's not, it wasn't even done yet. The clip wasn't even finished. This is when he was like, yeah, there's a couple things in there that aren't done. And we're like, really? What? That was, that was rough animation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like everything was just fluorescent and colorful and like glowing and... With the like with the music that they're gonna play with it, which we didn't get to see yet because it's not started, but um, it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing. It already looks incredible. Just like thousands of feet of coral into the air, and like all the dragons that we saw. I think there were some like in the clip that we've never seen before. Those little, they're little like fireworm type things, and I was like, oh, yeah. fireworms! But then they were trying to like. Touch them. Yeah, like, I'm like guys. No, <laughs> those are fireworks. Like what? No. You mean a hiccup and Astrid? Yeah, they, yeah. Were like, they were reaching up, kind of throwback to romantic flight. What's wrong with them? Like, touching the clouds. Yeah, yeah, hiccup but always touching... has a death wish. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they were just so distracted that they weren't quite thinking. But relatable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they fly through. They see this beautiful stuff, and then they discover Toothless, and he and the Light Fury are leading thousands of dragons in this flight sequence and then they land and I don't know how to describe like all the dragons are bowing to him yeah they're like on like this giant kind of pedestal rock thing and then all these millions of dragons or whatever are just down below them and Toothless is just doing he's kind of it kind of reminded me of the end of the second film when he's you know, roaring yeah. or yeah. whatever. I call it roar. Yeah. Roaring all, all those... to all the other dragons and they're like bowing to him. It was like that, except this big, huge, like cave full of dragons and they're all flipping their wings. They're all everything. vibrating. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's vibrating. It's like the hidden And like world the light fury's behind him and Hiccup and Ashton are just like, what the heck is happening? Like, what is he doing? He's exuding his alpha status and Ashton realizes this and says, now that's a king. <laughs> And Hiccup looks so appalled. <laughs> His face was just like, drop. <laughs> but, and then it gets really, really sad. It gets... Like, it gets so heartbreaking. I honestly thought I was going to cry. Hiccup almost did. He almost did, yeah. Yeah. The touching part about it was that when Toothless is leading this, like, call and response to the dragons, he turns around and he looks at the Light Fury and he calls her up beside him. So he recognizes her as, would it be fair to say, like his equal, like a partner in this leadership position? And it's a really nice reflection of what we think is going to be happening with Hiccup and Astrid. Wait, is is he the leader? He's the alpha dragon. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I sort of thought that the life fairy was kind of like the leader of the hidden world, right? So like, like, like Hiccup and Astrid, Hiccup is definitely the chief, even though maybe Astrid's kind of better as a chief in some ways. But here, I thought it was like the, the life fairy is kind of the chief of the hidden world. And then, you know, she has a massive, cool alpha partner. Maybe. I don't know. I don't think we've seen her interact enough with other dragons. Yeah. To kind of make yeah. that distinction. But that's a nice theory. Maybe she is in a leadership role there. And yeah. she found like the perfect person to balance her out. Mm-hmm. Because Hiccup like, is, or Hiccup, Toothless is the alpha kind of out in the natural world above the ocean. Like, was she just like a normal, regular, everyday light fury before she finds Toothless? Because in that scene, did you guys see it? They're panning on those dragons and you see like other light furies with like little baby light furies. I didn't notice. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, that's a baby one. There's, it was just like a really quick thing. And I remember it because I was like, oh, she's not, like we knew she wasn't the only one of her kind. But you just see them and there's like one there with a little like adolescent light fury. So I don't know. Toothless's child. I was so distracted by this one Rumblehorn's neck vibrations that I just completely (laughs) missed all the other dragons. It would like, it was like little flaps that came up. Like it was. Yeah. You literally have to watch that scene like six times to just take everything in because there's so much. There are more dragons in that scene than any other scene they've done. There's so many dragons. And a lot of different types of dragons. All vibrating. So it's really distracting. Yeah. It was like Volca Sanctuary reveal, but premium. And vibrating. And vibrating. But anyway. And then things go to shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. It gets really, really heartbreaking um, just because, like, you see Hiccup watching Toothless and he's, you know, connecting with the Light Fury and he looks so happy and at place in this hidden world with all the dragons and you know hiccup has like even dean said he's like hiccup has no part in there like he's not irrelevant yeah he's irrelevant in there so yeah it was just and then he gets really sad because he's like oh his face throughout this entire thing like i almost started crying for real because you can see the heartbreak and just he knows that he's lost toothless in this moment yeah and Dean. he can't really do much about it because, like, what is he going to do? Pull him away from all of this? I think that's what his yeah. kind of dilemma Dean, was. He he kept referring to Hiccup's relationship and Hiccup, uh, Hiccup's relationship with Toothless and Hiccup as needy, right? He said that multiple times, that Hiccup's very needy in this. And I never, I probably won't ever post this anywhere because I feel like people will, like, point at it and be like, how how dare you, Dean, describe Hiccup as needy? They're Hiccup's partners. Needy, how dare you? Right. I think there's something else there that we're not getting. Um, it seems like there's something else that um, he's referring to there. But this is kind of along that thread of like neediness where Hiccup needs Toothless. Well, he needs him for comfort. He needs him for emotional support. Well, he, yeah. He needs him for that, for the, the plasma blast. Well, there's yeah. probably a, a level of like severe self-consciousness too that he still has because you know he grew up pretty much an outcast and then the dragons come and he's accepted and all this stuff happens and I think he's like oh I need these dragons because they made me who I am and even Dean said that too he's like every success that Hiccup has is because of Toothless and what he's done for the dragons so without them like who is he and I don't 
think he knows that. They yeah. don't have their new armor in this scene, do they? No. So that means they oh, probably I made think, it. I think they did. They did? Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. They did. sorry. They did. Yeah. So it's interesting. So they were, they're making new armor at some point, right? That looks like they're dragons. So it seems like maybe they're really missing their dragons. And they're like, you know what? I'm going to make Astrid a dragon. And I'm going to make myself my own dragon for Hiccup, right? Well, he gets his confidence from his toothless. experiences with dragons. Yeah. You know, it, so it's like, if I don't have, if I don't have a toothless, I'll be the toothless. <laughs> he's young and he's growing. And I think it's something that young and old, we can all kind of relate to because we've all been in this situation where we're trying to find ourselves and it's not an easy, it's not an easy thing to do. Then we dress up in a fursuit. And we've all had this experience. <laughs> You're right. Thank you for putting that into words that I couldn't. Yeah. Anyway, they try to leave and it doesn't go well. They no. get discovered by every that, dragon, that one rumble horn in the back. <laughs> and then everybody's like, you know, like when somebody hears something and the whole crowd like whips their head around. It's kind of like that. The entire cave of dragons is like. Whoosh. Yeah. And like dragons are. And then Toothless notices that it's Hiccup. So he like, comes. Who are these idiots? Come on. <laughs> yeah. And like other dragons are flying towards him and Toothless is like trying to fly and bump them out of the way or tell them to stop going after them and then he eventually gets there and just like scoops hiccup up in his arms and hiccups trying to apologize and toothless is just like having none of it like he's like what are you doing here he doesn't look happy no and then that's kind of where the the scene ends so overall visually stunning scene emotionally emotionally jarring scene (laughs) and it really tells us a lot about what Dean wants us to get out of this film. But it was weird because it d- I didn't feel like it was super spoilery. Like, I didn't feel like, oh, I'm getting too much information about this film. Like, they picked really good scenes that give you a glimpse into the plot, but don't actually give you, like, the plot. Yeah. But all the scenes, they were all sort of building up this kind of relationship or parallel between Hiccup and Astrid and Toothless and the Light Fury. Right, so they weren't necessarily spoilery. Like, Grimmel didn't even show up at any He was point, mentioned he? for maybe 15 seconds at one point. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't spoilery like that, but it also, you know, now we know how this is going to work out, kind of. Right, we know how this will, mm-hmm. maybe know how this will end. And I think that was a fantastic decision on Dean's part to focus on this aspect of the story, because I don't think he should spend all of his time addressing people who kind of bash what we've seen so far of the film. But there has been a lot of people who say, oh, this is stupid. Why would you make a white light Night Fury that's getting Toothless a girlfriend? Like, it's a sellout thing. No, it. you can tell how she is building off of what we've gotten from the franchise, how it complements the relationships in the story, you know? Yeah, it's still... It's helping Hiccup grow, which is ultimately the reason that these films exist. It's about Hiccup's growth. Yeah, like, I was worried that it would kind of take away from the Toothless and hiccup relationship but if anything it adds more to it and like the movie is still very much hiccup and toothless like that hasn't changed from what i saw so which is why i was really really happy about all that stuff that we've seen because i felt like it was still the same kind of dragon stuff that got me into it in the first place i feel like this panel really focused on the emotional themes and It wasn't just, oh, we're making a film. Here's some new dragons we're making. Or, you know, this is our villain. This is what we're trying to overcome. Like, it was very much about the complexities of the relationships, whether it's 
Hiccup and Toothless, Hiccup and Astrid. Dean mentions, you know, Volca at one point. He really spent a lot of time talking about how he appreciates complex female characters, and that that really touched me, I think. Mm -hmm. That was a big standout moment for me at the presentation because, you know, this is a this is a franchise with, you know, we've got our male lead and we've got our our dragon lead. Um, but ultimately, as this is coming to a close, we're really seeing how the relationships around Hiccup are going to impact him and lift him up. Anything else before we move on to the Q&A stuff? Oh, the, um, we saw the Hidden World art. Oh, yeah. Um, Dean also kind of walked us through this really, really beautiful piece of art that was kind of the inspiration for the hidden world. And he said it was a lot of um, like bright colors and mushrooms and fungus and gemstones. Yeah. It was like all this color stuff. And I forget what the name of the artist he said it was. I can't remember either. Yeah. It was something, it was kind of a longer name, but anyways, it was really, really beautiful. And they kind of played it on the screen. Well, Dean talked to a, about the process of, you know, the artist drawing it and then putting it into animation. And they went on to say, like, we have the best, like, they have the best animators to do this because it it's super complex and um, it turned out really, really, really well. He spent a good amount of time talking about his crew and how hard they work and how amazing they are and how the technology that they use, like, really lifts them up and helps them to do this incredible work. Mm-hmm. You can tell he really appreciates the people who work for him and are creating all this for the fans. Yeah, and he talked about how hard it is to animate things like like sand and water and clouds and fire, how hard fire is. We talked a lot about fire. <laughs> fire is hard, um, but like you could see it, right? Like the first, the first clip we saw uh, where, you know, uh, Hiccup and Astrid were on the island um, and, and there's a shot where we saw behind them the dirt, and I was like, wow, that is some really nice dirt. Like, forget everything else. Slam your hand into the laptop. (laughs) That's some really nice dirt. It's okay, it's not broken. Um, The fire, the water, the dirt, the sand. Like, who is is head supervisor of dirt? I want to meet you. I want to be, I want to say... I appreciate you, and I appreciate your dirt. If you know who's the head of dirt at DreamWorks Animation on this film, please let us know, because Max is Max is very emotional right now about we, this dirt. We need him on our show I, to have an in-depth I, too, will slam my hand into your laptop. Over some dirt. So at this point, it's probably where Jay popped out and got us all shook. Um, mm-hmm. This was not an advertised appearance, so it was a really awesome surprise for him well, to I knew up. he'd be there we kind of figured it out in line when we were in line a little bit yeah because a couple some... people were like oh Jay's coming yeah like, we didn't like, we what? didn't believe it <laughs> they're like yeah Jay's coming but don't ruin it for everybody we know Jay's from this area so I tried to keep my expectations High. moderate at best because if I got too worked up and then it didn't happen I would have been sad but mm-hmm. when he came out we were all like freaking out it was and then people you know. people on Twitter, messaged me and like confirmed it, and it's like, all right, it's happening. And then we told, I told Jay, I knew you were coming. I knew you were coming. That's how big a fan I am. You said that. I said yeah. It's like, yeah, we're such big fans. We knew you were even here before you took your <laughs> awkward photo of the year. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, no, I, it's like where it was me and Jay, and imagine this. Imagine being more awkward looking than Jay. That's me. <laughs> you guys seriously look like cousins. Yeah, so yeah, similar. A little bit. But he was the normal cousin, and I was the <laughs> weird cousin in that photo. So, like, just imagine that. Just imagine that. It, it was a nice photo. It was a weird photo. I liked it. Now you have a really awkward photo with Jay. Yeah, yeah, I can brag about that. I can be like, I am more awkward than Jay. There you go. Who can say that? Not many people. <laughs> Both of your photos were like perfectly fine photos. My photo was pretty awkward. It was good. It was good. Jay looked really like like his face in he Brooke's photo. Really... He looked super cool. He yeah, but cool then there was like too. my terrified you look good face. Too. You look good. Because I was like <laughs> trying to smile and like do my camera and I was so nervous because I think, okay, so I think I talked about this on another episode about how like five years ago. I went to this event with Jay and you could have photos with him and I was way too chicken to get a photo. So I missed out and I'm like, I'm going to do this one day. And then he was up there. So I'm like, today is this day. And I went up there and I was like, Jay, can I please have a photo? He's like, oh yeah, for sure. And then it was like, oh my God, this is happening. And it was done. I'm like, thanks, bye. That is character <laughs> development in real life right there. And I like ran away and I was like, oh shoot, I didn't get my like dragon vine signed. So I had to go back and I'm like, hey Jay, it's me again. <laughs> so he's like, I'm like, can you sign this? He's like, yep, yep, for sure. And I'm like, okay, thanks. I'm like, thanks again. You run up to me after you're like, I got my selfie with Jay. <laughs> can we, can we talk about Jay for a minute? And, um. No, we can't. Okay, let's move on then. <laughs> no, no so he was he was wearing a nice formal shirt, and then what 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 were the pants? They were great. They were That's great, shorts, but what right? were they? They were shorts. Shorts but, with a pattern, maybe. But like he ran out on stage, and I was like, he's wearing a nice shirt and underwear, and that's it. <laughs> what is Jay's weird? <laughs> I think I have. I took a photo. They were a the respectable panel. length. They were shorts. Just because you don't own a pair of shorts doesn't mean that you need to criticize Jay's selection of Yes, but there's no way you can outfit. go to a formal event wearing that unless you're a Jay Baruchel. He pulled it off, though. He pulled it he off. He was looking fly as fuck, <laughs> so I don't even care. Jay, I know you're not listening to this, but if you if you were, you looked good. Don't Apparently, listen to we says. should invite him on right now. <laughs> Jay, if you're listening to this, your people should contact our people. Let's make this happen. Let's make this happen. <laughs> um, I just want to point out how nice Brad and Jay and Dean were afterward. They stayed literally as long as they could. The theater crew had to ask them to leave because another showing was going to happen. And even they, then they were still like yeah. trying to sign people's things. Like the, the theater people literally had to drag them out. We were right in front of Brad Lewis when he had to leave. So we didn't really get to talk to him. We were like the next in line, which was sad. But you know what happens. And... They were, like, right on him, like, you have to go, you have to go. And they they literally stayed to try to meet every single person, and they were willing to sign anything or take pictures. It was it was a really cool experience to have because it was an event size that you could do that safely, and we were so lucky to mm-hmm. be a part of it. Because we didn't really know if they were going to even stick around. When they first got up, I was kind of expecting them to bolt for the door, but they came right up to the front of the stage, and they met as many people as they could, and that... 20 minutes before the theater crew was like out yeah so, the tip yeah. security was like pulling them out dragging <laughs> them out like they were like kicking and be like no i want to sign more and they were signing things and you know the pen trailed off the page as tips pulled them out 
that didn't happen. But just imagine it did like 50% of that and 50% of not that. And that's probably, <laughs> probably pretty close to the truth. The pen that I'm using now is the one that Jay touched. So. I, I can, it's like vibrating with Jay energy. <laughs> big dragon energy. Um, so let's just kind of hit some of the big points that we got out of the Q&A. I don't think we've gotten through all of our notes, but you're going to get a big, nice, detailed report on Berg's Grapevine sometime in the next couple oh, days. Oh, yeah, super detailed. That Max is already working on. Uncanny so, detail. Berg'sGrapevine.com for more of that. Keep watch because it's it's going to be good. Don't say that. Lower expectations. <laughs> it's going to be Mediocre. it's going to be acceptable. It'll Pretty be terrible, <laughs> honestly. Don't even go there. Mediocre coverage. Jay confirmed that this will be the last movie or television series with Hiccup and our gang as the main character. They said it really weird though, like Dean was like pretty much like, "Oh, I don't have universal control over this franchise, so if Dreamworks wants to do something else with it, they can do whatever they want pretty much but he said he knows for sure that like this these characters and this timeline and this like story is done yeah like this is done this is it Mm -hmm. so if there's anything else that they're ever going to do with dragons it won't be hiccup and toothless it won't be you know in the same timeline quote or you know with these characters so which is Kind of sad, but also, you know, it's treating the story with some integrity here. He said, like, quote Dean right now, he's allergic to sequels, yeah. which is kind of funny. Yeah, in a Q&A session for How to Train Your Dragon 3. <laughs> <laughs> well, and somebody asked in the Q&A, too, if he, if he had ever um, considered doing a fourth movie because there was that thing a while back saying that DreamWorks wanted him to do a fourth, and he said... That he always wanted it to be a three-story act because he, if he was going to do sequels, it would be like a three-story thing so he could finish it on his terms. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he mentioned that after the first movie, like, it's just the kind of guy he is, like, he's not a sequel person, but he felt like there were enough unanswered questions about Hiccup's story and the universe that he could continue it. Mm-hmm. I think if it had been more of a closed closed ending to how to train your dragon he probably wouldn't have done it yeah. i'm glad that he did it personally i'm biased but as we could see from this screening there's so much good stuff to come and we're thankful that there's going to be another film coming out very soon let's see what else jay said that hiccup was supposed to be younger and that he tried to do like a child hiccup voice at the beginning and he tried to demonstrate and he just burst out laughing because he couldn't do it uh, it was like a more nasally version of his voice already and he just immediately started laughing when and was, then everybody was, else started laughing and- it was before uh chris sanders uh, and dean came on um and changed the structure of the film the first film um this is more sort of closer to the books hiccup is younger similar cast uh the cast didn't really change um, and that's something that Jay was saying is, is, you know, he was like, you know, uh, people, I think someone asked, you know, how did you get involved in this? Um, why, why were you here? And, is, and, and or was it Dean or said like, you know, I had no choice. Jay was already here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it ended up being fine and it worked really well and he was a good hiccup, but we had to not have him, had the, have him, uh, put on the child voice and, uh, Jay even demonstrated and good. I'm glad we moved beyond <laughs> yeah. this. I love Jay. Great, great guy. Great voice, but not that. (laughs) 
he is who he is and you know not everyone can do everything not everyone can do a child impression and especially not jay or at least make his voice even more screechy it sounded like he was going through puberty again second puberty (laughs) yeah it was just it was weird but and jay really is hiccup like that is his voice and it's such a unique and perfect voice for this character that good i'm glad that it is the way it is Mm-hmm. It's weird to think that Jake would be told to change his voice and and make it something else. Where it's like his his normal voice is already like a weird character voice. Like there's nothing like who would ask like this why why it's weird. But <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's like good. hey, I want to hire you for my film. You have one of the most unique voices I've ever seen. But let's change it up. Let's do it. Let's take this gem that you have and just like rub it in dirt and make it different. Not saying that. The idea was 100% bad. Maybe it, maybe it could have worked, but we'll never know. What we have now is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Also, did you know that uh, Jay is Canadian? Yes. Really? Yeah, he is. And he refuses wow. to say sorry like an American. <laughs> that was a that was a funny exchange. There was a lot of I don't, pro Canada. I don't think we say thing. sorry different. You do. You guys. Oh, you do. We do. Yeah, say it again. Now say it again. Say okay, it again. wait. Let's do it like a Canadian versus American. Sorry. Okay, let's. Okay. Sarah and I. I don't think you guys say sorry like we do. I don't think you guys say sorry like we do. <laughs> no, I can't. Okay. I don't think you guys say sorry like we do. So I hear the, a difference <laughs> on the on the American Canadian scale. Sarah's the most American. I'm I'm a touch more Canadian, and then Brooke is way more Canadian. <laughs> I'm like a two out of ten Canadian voice. Max, it's is like because a five. we say it so much. Brooke is full ten. <laughs> yeah, but we love it. Yeah, yeah, you perfected it. <laughs> this is the way sorry should be said. Sorry. Yeah, that, that's an American <laughs> version. Is it? That's closer, oh. right? What do you think? Well, I'm so close to the border that I'm kind of a mix. That's true. Yeah. You're versatile. Mm-hmm. It's good. And Jay, Jay was like, sorry, were, um, were the Vikings Americans? <laughs> Everybody got a good laugh out of that. Um, the best thing I liked about the Q&A was when Dean talked about the female characters in Hiccup's life. And he said something that, like, Hiccup, and, Hiccup relies on Toothless and he's really needy, but he doesn't realize that, like, Astrid can be relied on just just as well or something like that like he said like she's the balance that he doesn't really know he has yet Um, she sharpens his sword yeah that's what brad lewis said and i didn't laugh i hope you're all proud of me but basically what he meant by that is that her strengths oh you know what he meant by that yeah okay then her strengths balance i guess i guess i don't have to go into that's the one detailed rant about it yeah yeah no go into the i want to i want another rant you know astrid compliments him well that's why her their relationship is so positive and why it works in the way that it does and why everybody loves it it's what it's what a positive good relationship should be someone building you up making you stronger balancing out what you have whether it's weaknesses and strengths and your flaws yeah hiccup has so many flaws if you're with someone and they don't make you better then they're not the one and that's what astrid does for hiccup but my mind made it a (laughs) joke so same i didn't even hear it the first time yeah i don't even remember i don't remember this maybe this is all just just something you came up with it was a nice subtle moment Mm -hmm. it was too subtle for me we haven't talked about brad lewis very much but he's very knowledgeable about the 
process of this film and he is so excited to be involved in it. Yeah. It was nice to hear from him. Yeah. He talked a bit about like technology. Um, yeah. Which was cool. And he worked on Mulan, which is amazing. A so. fantastic film as well. Classic. Did everyone there work on Mulan? Except Jay. I guess Jay didn't. <laughs> Did Dean work on Mulan? I thought Dean was on Mulan. Googling. I mean, he didn't direct it, but I thought, like, we'll maybe he did this storyboard. Part where we're unsure, so we sound super confident. Yeah, Dean did storyboard on Mulan. Take one. I feel like take he two. did. No, turns out Dean didn't storyboard on Mulan. Take three. Dean directed Mulan. <laughs> <laughs> he replaced his frequent collaborator, Chris Sanders, as head of story on Mulan. Okay. Eyes close. <laughs> take four. Dean was head of story on Mulan. <laughs> Good job. Let me just make sure that I didn't just pull that out of the internet. When you read part of a headline and then you just don't read Yeah, he of it. went to Disney as a storyboard artist and then he replaced his collaborator, oh. Chris Sanders, as head of story on Mulan. Shortly after, they reteamed to create Lilo and Stitch. And the rest was history. Max, I know you were excited to hear about the music. Yes. Somebody asked a question in the QA about the music. The music. Turns out. John Powell is writing it, composing. Yeah. That's the word. And drawing John... it. Drawing out all the music, all yeah. the little notes. With the help of his beautiful dog. Moose. Max stalks the dog on Twitter. No, I, sorry, Instagram. Yeah. So some John Powell's on Instagram and he posts tons of cool, interesting stuff about what he does. And that's great. He's cool. And I'm sure if I understood more about music, I would I would appreciate that. But what I appreciate the most is he has the most amazing dog it's a Just great dog amazing so i always like it when he when he has you know something about music and then also has his dog there like in the background that's great stuff if you're gonna post it's not quite a spoiler but if you're gonna post unreleased things on instagram but you can't show it all obscure it with a dog obviously i love that yeah it's a great idea um so all the music we saw in all the clips and probably all the clips in annecy too um, was uh, temporary music, so scratch music, to give a sense of what it might be without, you know, when you're editing and when you're... I don't know if the animators will see the music too. Um, or hear, what was that? Is that a dog? I don't have a dog, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe now you do. Maybe it's a moose from afar. Big moose energy is up in here. <laughs> so it's all scratch music, um, but you get a sense of what they're going for in a way that you may not have gotten from the final score because you can see what they're thinking as they're uh, editing the scenes together. And for example, with the courtship scenes with Toothless and the Light Fury, you know, they use like forbidden friendship. And this is a nonverbal scene. So you can kind of see, oh, okay, this is where they're going. This is supposed to be kind of a parallel. And you could definitely see even in the trailer when Toothless and the Light Fury are meeting in that, that field of, of dragon nip, uh, which is, of course, where dragons would meet. Um, even then, it looks a lot like the down dragon scene. So there's definitely this interesting parallel with Toothless and the Light Fury and Hiccup and Toothless, and then also Hiccup and Astrid. And basically, all the characters are, are merging together into one story of discovery and then having your... I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but there's so many parallels. So many. Everything is a parallel with everything else. I love it. The story is about discovery, but it's also about letting go, which Dean really touched on throughout. Um, yeah. He made that a big point. Yeah. So, like, the first one is about 
what was the first one about? I don't know. He had things to say for each. The first film was about, you know, the classic being true to yourself and having the world change around you, right? And then the second is about, uh, what did he say? I think he said it was about Hiccup, like, leaving behind all of his, like, childhood things and yeah. stepping into more serious roles. Yeah. Coming of age. And the third is about loss. Like, You're letting it's go. just, like, not even... Yeah. No, no complexity to that. It's like, it's about loss. It's like, oh, great. Oh, great. I'm good. We got to watch a film about loss. That sounds fantastic. So if you're one of the holdouts that doesn't think that How to Train Your Dragon in the Hidden World is not going to destroy you emotionally. Get ready for some loss. Just, just give it and accept it now. Because we saw, like, three minutes worth of footage. And, and we almost I cried. Almost cried so. We didn't know what was happening, and we almost cried. So imagine just... knowing what's happening. It's crazy. Yeah. It was such an emotional day. I was shaking heavily throughout, but it was so much fun. Everybody was so nice, and really, this is probably going to be one of my one of my best memories of life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. nice. It was, it was just it was a really so awesome. cool, like, kind of once not once in a lifetime, but kind of because this is the last time they're going to be doing stuff like this. So, mm-hmm. and the fact that we actually got to meet them and. We got to walk up to Dean one on one and ask him a question. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. Because who knows I, when I forgot that to will ask ever him happen. a question. It's okay. I should have asked him, "What dragon would you eat if you could eat any dragon?" Oh, I'm so sad that you missed that opportunity. Yeah. No, see, Dean would have had an interesting answer, but Jay, <laughs> I want to hear Jay answer that one. Jay, I know you're not listening, but if you are, let us know. <laughs> what dragon would you eat if you could eat any dragon? And you know what? Normally I say when it comes to these any dragon questions, I exclude Toothless because that's boring. But you know what? Not for you. You can say Toothless if you want. If you want to eat Toothless, that's cool. You can answer that way. All right, guys. I think we pretty much covered everything. Exhausted our knowledge. If there's anything... And the patience of our audience. Yes. This will be a long one, but... Thank you guys for listening. If there's anything that we missed, I'm sure it's going to be um, in the Berg's Grapevine article. It should be out in the next couple of days. So Don't say those things. It will be out. Eventually. Eventually. Maybe. Once I compose my thoughts and the article. Mm-hmm. So head over to Berg'sGrapevine.com. Check out Max's full in-depth dive into Terrible the article. Don't even, don't even read it. I take it all back. I'll just cut all this out. All right. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you for joining me, and I'm so glad that we got to do this together. Yay! A once-in-a-lifetime experience that we'll never forget. If you guys have questions about anything that we talked about, you know, we we talked about a lot today. Let us know. We are at dragondropouts.com. You can shoot us a message there. You can also contact us on Twitter. We're at dragondropouts. If you're interested in listening to our other episodes, we are on SoundCloud and iTunes. We are Dragon Academy Dropouts. So let us know what you guys think of the new info we've got coming out. And we will be back soon. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.